Welcome to New Church Live. If you're watching in the U.S., happy 4th of July. Anywhere else, hope you're having a great weekend. Today, we are going to be learning about the three kinds of love. Sometimes it's also called the universal categories of love. And that might sound like something that you don't care about learning about. And that's how it was for me, too, before I started to understand what they were. I'm not talking to you about categories of love as in, well, there's romantic love, and then there's the love that you have for your friends, and then there's how you feel about your model train collection. These are categories of love, love as in what you're chasing in life. What is your life tending toward? What do you consider your goal or your highest good? And what brings you the most joy? That's the object of the love that we're talking about. And these categories are a way of cleanly sorting the different impulses and thoughts and desires we have and understanding how they relate to each other and what about their organization can make life really work well or make life really difficult. So that's what we're gonna gain by learning about the order and nature of the categories of love. And this has been hugely influential in my life, and I hope that you will take something with you that can improve your life as well. What this also does, learning about the categories of love, is equips us to better understand these famous words from Jesus Christ. There's this beautiful sentiment that he expresses in John, where he says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And I get what that is. I can certainly see in wartime or if there's some imminent danger, it, it goes without saying, it's a beautiful idea that I can sacrifice to protect people, that this would be the ultimate expression. But most of life isn't like that. It's very hard to lay down your life for your friends at the grocery store. So why is this the way that Jesus describes the greatest love if it's only something we can exercise in a tiny little slice of the human experience that many of us will never experience? Knowing the categories of love allows us to fulfill this all the time. Because to lay down the life, think of it like laying a foundation. This is how you organize something. So there is a way that we can organize there are motivations in life that allows us to do so for the sake of all of our friends, which I would argue expands out to be the entire human race. So this is what we stand to gain from the categories of love or the kinds of love. And I want to take you through these using a video that I was part of the team that made. It happened, I think, seven years ago. You'll notice in this I look about 40 years younger than I am now. Aging sneaks up on you quick. So we're gonna first get introduced to a, one of the three categories of love or motivation, and then we'll take you through what it means and we'll do the other two. So ready yourselves to learn about a part of, part of all of us. There you go.
If I was going to have a really healthy day, it would be about prioritizing the types of love. There are three universal categories of love or of motivation that drive people. And it might not seem intuitive to label them this way, but work with me for a minute. The fundamental categories are love of usefulness, love of the world, and love of the self. The way we interact with them and the way they're prioritized in us dictates everything. But to really believe that, you've got to meet them first. So yeah, I'm mowing the lawn, but check it. I'm using one of those no pollution real mowers. So there it is, an action. But what's the essence of this action? What's the love that drives it? Which category is it? Well, that all depends on why I'm doing it. I might be doing it so that I look good. I want people to notice that I'm doing something good for the planet. I want to be part of a superior, eco-conscious, hip, cutting-edge group of people that are like so much more enlightened than the rest of the country and are the real heroes in the great struggle for blah, 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 blah. Everybody, meet love of the self. As the name implies, I have love of the self when I'd give anything for the cause of me. My number one priority is to benefit the self, whether it's about increasing its reputation, popularity, raising its official or unofficial status, power, influence. I'm the first and last thing on my mind, the apple of my own eye. So the first category, thank you. The first category, what a, what a nice young man in that video. The first category is what we're calling here love of the self, which is the trickiest category because actually in nutritiology where it appears, it's usually translated love of self. And when we hear love of self, generally you think having good self-esteem, teaching kids that, that they're good enough despite any shortcomings they have. It's something that unfortunately religion has a history of kind of trying to beat out of you and you think, wait, what's, there's nothing wrong with loving myself. That's not what love of self is or love of the self is in the sense of these universal categories of love. We got a little picture of it there. Fundamentally, love of the self is when my selfhood is the ultimate good in the universe. And to get a really clear picture of what that looks like if it's given free reign, we could look at the example of tyrants or dictators in the world. This is something that's happened throughout history where somebody will get up to a place where they can seize power and exert their will over a bunch of people. And you can just go read the news, you can go look at examples of this. It leads to all kinds of horrific things happening to human beings because there is this thing in the heart that can lead to this state where I want to set myself up essentially as, as a God figure, where I can dictate everything, you can't say anything against me. And believe it or not, even though that seems, could seem to the love of the self, like, oh, that's the dream. I get to, everybody does everything I want. It doesn't make you happy. They did this big study on what kind of mindset people who end up being dictators have. And this is from the Scientific American. It was a co combination of two studies. It says, combining the results from both studies, Coolidge and Siegel, that's the authors of the study, hypothesized a big six constellation of personality disorders that may commonly reflect the personalities of dictators more generally. Sadistic, antisocial, 
paranoid, narcissistic, schizoid, and schizotypal. That's not a fun way to be. There's not this fulfillment in there. And you might be thinking, well, okay, great. That's a good cautionary tale, I guess, but I'm never going to be a dictator. So why are you talking to me about this? I bet that's true. I would be really, I would be really surprised if somebody in this room ends up being a, yeah, a tyrant at some point in their life. Have you ever seen the movie Austin Powers? Okay, I was debating whether I want to use this example in church or not, but there's a series, if anyone hasn't, there's a series of movies that's called Austin Powers. And to me, it feels like they just came out. Remember Austin Powers? Just came, I think it was 20 years ago that they came out. So I'll explain the premise to anyone who doesn't know. They're essentially a spoof on James Bond spy movies where they take the themes of those and run them to, to a ridiculous extreme. So the main villain in Austin Powers is named Dr. Evil, which is a hilariously trite name for somebody who is an, an evil villain. And at one point, he decides he's not happy with his, his son is not evil enough or not domineering enough, so he decides, well, I'm going to clone myself and create another me. And in the cloning process, he takes some steps that lead to him having a clone, but, but it's a miniature version of himself. And famously, he says, I'll, I'll call him Mini-Me. I'm not going to actually do the voice. So here you have Dr. Evil and Mini-Me, who Mini-Me is a replica of Dr. Evil with, in all of his mannerisms and all of his intentions, but he's smaller. So yes, none of us are going to go and become tyrants or dictators and try to really exert power over everyone. But is it possible we have a mini-dictator inside of us? Yeah, I'm not. That, that list, oh, the narcissism, I'm not a narcissist. But do I kind of want the, that guy over there to not be as cool as me? Do I get very, I'm not going to exercise power over everyone, but am I raging a little bit when somebody's going too slow in front of me on the road? There are the rudiments of this. The love of self can be large or small, but there is a part of it in everyone. And when there, there's, a, there's a fundamental good, it's not all bad, there's a fundamental use for it. We have to have this sort of sense of self-worth and we have to have this sense of taking some measure of control. But as we saw in the video, when it becomes our, what is called ruling love, when this is what our life is based on and what we aim toward, nobody's happy. So first thing we need to be aware of is that the love of self is there. Maybe some of you don't have it, but I think it's a pretty fundamental human thing that we have this little bit of venerating ourself and seeing ourself as the center of the universe. So it's there, but it's not fit to lead. So let's examine the next category of love and see if we find there a better leader for our lives. We know we can't make the purpose of our life our own self-image, but let's see if there's something else that we can put out there. And we're going to do that after a song and we get into the next section.
as I see it is a remarkable place A beautiful house in a forest Of stars and outer space From a bird's eye view I can see it has a well-rounded personality From a bird's eye view I can see we are family it's not hard for me to love you, hard for me to love you. No, it's not a difficult thing. No, it's not hard for me to love you, hard for me to love you. Because you are the world to me. Yeah, the world as I see it is a remarkable place. Every woman makes a difference. And every mother's child is a saint From a bird's eye view I can see we are spiraling down in gravity From a bird's eye view I can see you are just like me It's not hard for me to love you Hard for me to love you No, it's not a difficult thing no, it's not hard for me to love you, hard for me to love you, because you are the world to me. No, it's not hard for me to love you, hard for me to love you. No, it's not a difficult thing. No, it's not hard for me to love you. Oh, I really love you, love you are the world to me. You are the mountain, you are the rock, you are the cord and you're the spark You are the eagle, you are the lark You are the world and you're remarkable You are the calm, eating the shore You are the calm inside the storm You're every emotion you can endure You are the world and the world is Because you are the world to me No, it's not hard for me to love you Hard for me to love you No, no it's not a difficult thing No, it's not hard for me to love you Hard for me to love you Because you are the world to me Awesome. Okay, we started off a little slow here. We introduced the category of love and it seemed sort of like a dud. It's not the North Star it looks like we can follow in our life. Let's see what we get from this second one. And the second category of love doesn't have to do with our relationship to power or self-image or ego. It has to do with this quote from Matthew, where Jesus says, 
No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I love the, the beginning of that quote really frames what we're talking about here today because he's talking about there's one thing that you're going to end up being loyal to. You can't have dual loyalties if the two things aren't the same. That's what we're talking about with these categories of love. So the second category of love has to do with our relationship, not just to money, because money is something that we invented. It's not an in, uh, in, inextricable part of the universe. But it's our, usually our longings for money and all the things that it can do are part of this broader category of love, which has to do with our love of sensory gratification and wealth and objects. So let's take a look and get to know our second of the three kinds of love. But let's back up. It could be that I'm not mowing for those reasons at all. It might be that I'm here doing this, but I'm not really thinking about this green mower or this green grass, but something else that's green. Love of the world isn't just the love of money. At its essence, it's also the love of pleasure, if that makes sense. Things that are visually pleasing, pleasing to the ear, pleasing to the palate, and all other kinds of intense, expensive, decadent stuff. When love of the world is in charge, that stuff is the goal, the highest good. Life is about creature comforts, about seeking out sensory experiences of whatever kind floats your boat, or just hoarding cash. Maybe I have an eco-mo business, not because I care about the planet, but because I know that other people do, and I know I can exploit that to get some coin. If a better way to make more money came up, man, I ditched this so fast. So there it is, love of the world. Not so bad, but not so good either. Not really satisfied, living for future gratification. Meh. Meh. So we have the second category, love of the world, which has to do with our relationship to sensory gratification, wealth, the things that, that the external things that accompany our life. And as you're going to see at the end, there's nothing inherently wrong with liking those things. But as a leader, if we make that our ruling love, it leads us to a life of meh. Because it's not really going to give you what it promises that it's going to give you. The, the desire for sensory gratification and for wealth says you're going to be happy if you get this. Now, I'm, I think you always have to have the caveat that if you're in a position where you need the necessities of life, you absolutely, yes, getting those will make you happier, significantly happier. If you're struggling, if, if you're in poverty, I'm not going to say, no, just, just, you know, love is all you need. No, you need food and you need shelter. But once you're going beyond that, I'm not saying that you can never be made happier by increases in wealth and in sensory experiences that are fun, but there's not a guarantee that that stuff happens. And what seems like this promised land can actually end up leading you to what's called the hedonic treadmill, 
When you make this, when you put your eggs in that basket and say, that's what's going to make me happy in life, you begin to walk the hedonic treadmill, which is a concept that I, I love, and it is totally true. So this is from the World Authority on Everything, Wikipedia. It says, the hedonic treadmill, also known as hedonic adaptation, is, ob is the observed tendency of humans to quickly return to a relatively stable level of happiness despite major positive or negative events or life changes. According to this theory, as a person makes more money, expectations and desires rise in tandem, which results in no permanent gain in happiness. I saw this so clearly yesterday because I had a great, it was the, the 4th of July celebration here. I know it was the 2nd of July, but you know, there's the real world and you gotta navigate that. But there was all the events for 4th of July and I had a great day. My daughter had a great day and I was happy. And then at the end of it, close to when I was going to sleep, um, my mind started very helpfully telling me how much better my life could be than it is. I was like, well, yeah, you have this, but what if you were here? What if you lived in this cool place? What if you had this? And I was, because I knew I was giving this talk tomorrow, I was like, the hedonic treadmill, it's there. It's, I've got this, and even though it said, if, you would, if everything goes well for you, you'll be happy, when you get there, it's just saying, well, you could be really happy if you went there. Desires rise in tandem. When, that, when we believe that's the highest good, it can lead us on and on, and we don't even realize like when you're walking in a treadmill, I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not making any happiness progress because of this thing. Okay. So that's another one that doesn't seem like it's fit to lead a human life. And it's a little nerve-wracking because we're two-thirds of the way through these three categories, and it doesn't seem like we're working with a lot. And that's a lot of human experience I've listed, and I seem to be saying that's not the way to go. So how are we possibly going to pull out of this? What, what could the next category be that will allow a, a hero to emerge? Well, stay tuned to find out. Okay, we're going to do another song, and then we'll be back to see what's the third category and how can we get ourselves out of this mess that we've gotten into. Just one thing it would be that we're all okay And not to worry cause worry is wasteful and useless in times like these We won't be made useless, won't be idle with despair I'll gather myself around my faith for light does the darkness most fear my hands are small, I know, but they're not yours, they are my own, but they're not yours, they are my own, and I am never broken. 
poverty stole your golden shoes it didn't steal your laughter and heartache came to visit me but i knew it wasn't ever after we'll fight not out of spite for someone must stand up for what's right girls where there's a man who has no voice their eyes shall go singing my hands are small i know but they're not yours they are my own not yours they are my own and i am never broken Awesome, thank you. That was great. So whenever I know that I'm gonna give New Church Live, I'm basically just figuring out ways that I can work this quote into a talk, and then I build back from there. This is probably my third time quoting it. It's from Jeremiah, and I think it's one of the most beautiful pieces of text that I think exists. And it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. When, you're, when you don't have a lot of hope, hearing that can be incredibly powerful. And we don't have a lot of hope right now for this church service because how, if we've got a love of the self, which can lead us to all these problems, and obviously we're saying, isn't that great? And we've got the love of the world, which can lead us to all these problems, and we're saying it's not that great. And that's like two-thirds of who I am is my desires for those things. So what am I going to have to do? Like, get rid of most of myself? And what's this third one going to be that's going to make it so that I have to do that instead? It's got to work out. Because God has plans to give us a future. And by the nature of saying hope and a future, it means it must be a good future. So there's got to be built into the design of who we are a way that we can go forward in this that gives us hope and a future. So let's get to know our third category of love and see what it teaches us about 
where all of this is headed. Ready? Okay, let's go. But don't we deserve a little bit more? I mean, can't this simple act, this little part of routine, really be something transcendent, something inspiring, a genuinely healthy action? Yeah, it can. And not because I'm having some mystical experience while I do it, not because I do it exceptionally fast or well, but because, put mundanely enough, I want to do this because it's good. Because of the good this does for the world. I'm not loving how it makes me look, I'm not loving what it gets for me, but I've kept a little bit of crud out of the atmosphere. And so here a little kid takes a breath of fresh air that's good for their lungs, and I'm loving that. People can sit in peace on their patio, and I'm loving that. Oil doesn't leak into the water supply so someone can drink and not carry toxins around with them, and I'm loving that. I'm loving the work and the health for my body so I can help others. I love the lawn space I'm creating for the kids and the dogs and the people that will play in it, the feelings they'll get out of it. I may not even meet some of these people, and they'll probably never draw the connection between these two events, but I know. I know the good this will do, and I'm holding that in my mind. The healthy kid, the clean water, the place to play. I know the function of this activity, its service to the common good, its use, and that's what it is to love usefulness. Oh yeah, oh yeah, there is this other side of things where I can get really excited about something good has happened. I was just talking about yesterday for 4th of July, and I had some fun. I played hacky sack, do you know what that is? It's where you have a little thing filled with sand and you like kick it around and you can't touch it with your hands. And I, as a 37 year old man, was doing that with some of my friends. But the funnest thing, the most funnest thing about the 4th of July was seeing my daughter and knowing that she had found a ton of friends there and they had these glow sticks. And even though she was a little nervous about the fireworks, she was able to watch them with everyone with my noise canceling headphones on. I was happy for how happy she was when I go and I'm doing my job and I know like, this is gonna do some good, there's a happiness in there. So that's love of usefulness, which is cool, but the real magic with it happens when we start to look at how these three categories relate to each other. Because what I love about New Church Theology is it doesn't say there's, there are bad things in you that you need to get rid of and just have these good ones. It's about a harmony where everything is in its proper place. I'm not saying we need to get rid of your love of self. It can be a useful part of your life. I'm not saying we need to get rid of our love of the world. It can be part of a useful life and actually our love of usefulness is what allows all of those things to reach their full potential in us. Because as we saw, the wants of the love of self, for example, if we say, that's it, that you, you run the show and we'll go and follow that, leads us to an empty life that often harms other people. If we say we're going to follow love of the world and it's going to be gratification and wealth are the main thing I'm going for, that's how I'm going to get my happiness, eventually that's going to break down and you're going to be on this treadmill. But love of usefulness shows us how those two parts of us can get what they want and we can get what we want, which is this happiness and happiness in living the life that 
God is calling us to live. So let's take a look at the end of the video, which introduces the idea of prioritizing these three categories inside of us and how we can get this whole machine to work. This is the sweet spot. That's high quality fuel for our mind. Now, if you're like me, you're jumping around between these three types of motivation all the time, usually without even realizing it. It's not that these other two types are evil and you've got to get rid of them and never talk to them again. Like I said before, it's all about priorities. We're all born with these three types of love inside us, but who's going to end up in charge? There are three basic vacancies in us. Let's call them the head, the body, and the feet. The head's in charge, it calls the shots, it sees and decides the course, the body responds and moves, and the feet just do what everyone tells them to. If love of the self takes the head, then I'm running for governor because I want to be governor. I want that title, I want that praise, I want that recognition. Getting kickbacks from lobbyists and the salary won't be that bad either. And as for the purpose of the position, the legislation, society at large, the problems people are having and how I can help, the suffering I can prevent, oh yeah, yeah, I mean, it's good to do some of that stuff to get the people's affection. It's a good vehicle to get me where I want to go. But if love of the world is up top, then who cares how I look? This whole company exists to make me money. I'll fabricate profits to drive my stock up, I'll exploit loopholes, I'll cheat people out of their retirement money. Obviously, these two combinations don't work out well, for me or for the rest of the world. But if these three forces end up in the order they were meant to be in, the order that makes us healthy and human, that I'm doing my job in integrity for the good of the world, or I'm making my little donation to Habitat for Humanity because I'm thinking about what it feels like to have somewhere to live, the joy of having a clean, safe space for the most important things in your life. The tax break is cool, but it's not a deal breaker if it doesn't work out. If nobody notices, okay. If someone does, well, who doesn't like to be appreciated? And under the umbrella of loving usefulness, the other two can be in tune, laid back. I'm not trying to lecture you about it. I'm not just trying to say, don't be bad, be good. Everyone knows that already. But for me, being aware of the categories and cognizant of which one I'm operating from is like being given the way out of a maze. If I'm mowing for the first two reasons, yeah, what's growing in the yard ends up the same, but what's growing in me, it's night and day. Watch the way anxiety and tension follow these first two. I would never realize, oh, it's not about figuring out the minutia of trying to be seen as exactly the person I want to be seen as, or being surrounded with just the things I want to be surrounded by, which always seems like I'm getting close, but never quite satisfied. This shows me, dude, it's a trap. You're on the whole wrong freeway universal categories of love. I'm just trying to pass them along for you if you want them, and just trying to order them correctly in myself whenever I can. Like, just as an example, let's say I was making a video about the universal categories of love. Would I just do it to make myself look good? Okay, so what I want you to do is just like, make me look really cool. That's impossible. Well then just like, make everything else look bad so that I look really good. Or do I do it with love of the world on top? Okay, so it says here that people are more likely to donate if, uh, just, just put in some violin music and like a please donate button. Or am I doing it for the sake of the information? To get helpful things out? Simply because you and I are probably going through some of the same struggles. And maybe, with the right tools, we can make some progress. And if I did make a video like that, would I try to make it look like I thought it all up myself? Or would I mention Swedenborg and his essay on the three universal categories of love? Oh, I don't know. This is getting a little too hypothetical, don't you think? All right. So here we're starting to see how the whole picture works. And I love this so much, I will try to contain my energy around it. I want to give you a quote that describes 
how these three things not just can get along, but actually dwell with each other in us to make us a complete person. So this is from Swedenborg's True Christianity 395, New Church Theology. It says, when these three categories of love are properly prioritized in us, that would mean love of usefulness is the goal. Benefiting others, to, to the love of God and love of the neighbor, when that is the ultimate goal, we know that that's what it's all for, then that drives our desire to accumulate wealth and provide and our desire to refresh ourselves through fun experiences. And all of that then leads our sense of who we are and where we fit in with other people. That's what the proper prioritization is. They are also coordinated in such a way that the highest love, our love for heaven, Swedenborg will use love of heaven and love of usefulness interchangeably because that's what heaven is, is a state of mind where everybody is desiring to make everyone else's life better. So yes, love of usefulness is a love of heaven. Our second highest love, our love for heaven, is present in the second love. So our love for heaven is present in the second love, our love for the world, and through that in the third or lowest love, our love for ourselves. So your, your higher aspirations are actually present in your day-to-day -day stuff. In fact, the love that is inside steers the love that is outside wherever it wants. Therefore, if a love for heaven is present in our love for the world and through that in our love for ourselves, with each type of love, with each type of love, we accomplish useful things that are inspired by the God of heaven. So go for it. Love yourself. Love yourself. Take good care of yourself. Feel good about yourself. Make good relationships. Have pe people can say nice things about you. Accomplish things. That's great. And why are we doing that? Because ultimately, our self is serving God, which is simply, God's desire is simply to provide a happy life for everyone. Go ahead and go make money and enjoy the things that you like to enjoy. And why are we doing that? You wouldn't want to just do that forever. I, when you're on vacation, by the end of it, there's this little bit, maybe not, but for me, there's this little bit of I gotta get back to work. Like, there's fun stuff. I wanna continue to change the world in a positive way. Go ahead, take any time you need, get yourself in the right state, and get, gain resources and use those to change the world. But all of it looks toward this love of usefulness, that that is where we're heading. Because not only is love of usefulness good for other people, that's the only place where you're really gonna be happy. That is heaven is the state you get into when the thing that not every moment of every second of every day is providing all of your joy, but the thing that's driving you, your greatest good, the mission that you're on is to partner with God in making life better for everyone. That's happiness. And actually, be, through its relationship with the other two kinds of love, it can be uh, you can have even more happiness than if you just had love of usefulness on its own. It's meant to be that, yes, we're trying to, trying to be a good person and affect the world well and lead where, be led where God is leading us, and we get to enjoy being who we are, and we get to enjoy the material life that we have around us, and those, actually, you need to take some time, spend some time 
in the material world that will help refresh you, it all leads to this really happy human existence. And that's what it is to prioritize the categories of love. So I, this helps me because then I know, well, I know I'm supposed to be a spiritual person, but here I am tr trying to placate my mini tyrant in there. And that's okay. Sometimes you need to, okay, how can I take care of you? I'll give you what I can, but you're not in charge. You're not in charge. And if my love of usefulness sees up, you're trying to do something that would harm people or harm yourself, no, sorry, we can't do that. If we, we can let you go over here, but, but not quite that. My love of the world. I can see there's times when, yep, I'm going to enjoy that, and the love of usefulness is just there to make sure it stays healthy. That's the divine design. It's not about ostracizing any part of ourself. It's about a holistic living together that when love of usefulness is in charge, every other part of us is happy. So that's the universal categories of love. So I hope that we can take that idea out and start to recognize these parts of us in life and start to notice what does it feel like when love of usefulness is driving me? Where does that show up in my life? And know that there's potential in that to bring us more and more into a heavenly state of mind. So let's take a moment to let that sink in. And I wanna do a little silent reflection or prayer before we say the Lord's Prayer where maybe just scan a little bit over your life and just start to think about where, where does my love of self show up and where does it show up in positive ways, where does it show up in negative ways? Where does my love of the world show up and where does it show up in positive and negative ways? And where do I find myself in this love of usefulness, love of benefiting others? It can be others you know well, it can be others you don't know. Where's that and what does that joy feel like? Where are there times when I've felt it tangibly in my life? So let's just take a minute, reflect on that, and then uh, we'll say the Lord's Prayer. Oh yeah, can we get a little bit of music? That would be great. Okay, so just think for a minute about your life and where you see these things. All right, and that's something you can do as often as you'd like. Let's take a moment now to thank God who has created us in this wonderful way and longs to, through the plans that he's made, bring us hope in a future through organizing what's inside of us in the divine design. So let's say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors.
Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thanks, everybody. I really loved getting to think about these things with you, and I look forward to the ways that you're all going to take this out and make the world a better place. Uh, good luck in your usefulness journeys. We'll have one last song, and feel free to reflect on ways you can take this out into the world. Thanks, Curtis. your friendly announcer I have serious news to pass on to everybody what I'm about to say could mean the world's disaster could change your joy and laughter to tears it's that love's in need of love today. Don't delay, send yours in right away. It's going around, breaking many hearts. Before it's gone too far The force of evil plays To make you its possession and it will if we let it destroy everybody we all must take precautionary measures if love and peace you treasure then you'll hear me when I say Before it's gone to
Thank you so much. See you soon. Have a great week. <laughs>